This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Power Cat Pregame Podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald, and over the next hour plus, it's going to be a long one. We have a lot to cover. We're going to try to get you ready for Kansas State versus Kansas, the Sunflower Showdown. Now, I'm not happy with that name. I want to change that name, but. We'll have to go with it for now. The Sunflower Showdown taking place in Lawrence. The game kicks at 6 p.m. Could be a little chilly, but it's supposed to be a beautiful day when the sun is up, but might be a little crisp in Lawrence by the time that game is over. It is on FS1 if you're unable to go, so you'll be able to see it on your typical cable package. Kansas State goes into this game with a 7-3 and record, and they are 5-2 and overall in the conference. Kansas is also 7-3, and but all three of their losses have come in the Big 12, and they are at 4-3 and in the conference following last week's upset by Texas Tech uh, there in uh, – Lawrence and the quarterback situation surrounding the University of Kansas is very intriguing. They might be down to their third string quarterback, and we'll get into all of that as we venture forth into this podcast. And as you know, we will talk to Brian Hanley, the former Kansas State offensive lineman on those 97 and 98 teams. Big B is uh, great at breaking down the Wildcats. And then we'll bring in Ryan Wallace, who has always studied every opponent K-State plays for his own entertainment and now provides it here on this podcast. He's our recruiting expert, but boy, is he good about digging into opponents. And he's got a really good scout on KU. And then we close up shop, of course, with um, Ryan Gilbert. Our, our basketball beat writer, but also our gambling expert. Will he pick K-State to cover? As we record this, it's K-State minus eight in Lawrence. 
are the Wildcats going to win or nine by one, nine or more? We'll not only break down this game, but the entire Big 12 schedule with Gills at the end of the show. We also have interviews scattered throughout, and we will have Chris Kleiman in just a second talking about this game. We'll, of course, have Will Howard, and then we'll sneak someone else there at the end. We'll find out who it is when they arrive. As I said, I'm Tim Fitzgerald, and we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. And at Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, proud title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. Folks, this is always big, but this year it has a little added layer of intrigue. For the first time in a while, both teams are ranked. If you use the college football playoff rankings, which we do this time of year at GoPyroCat, as soon as those start, we start using those rankings. And Kansas State heads into this game at 21 in those rankings, and KU did not fall out all the way. They're at 25 as they kind of hang on to the edge of the rankings, but they're still in. And under third-year coach Lance Leipold, this is a vastly improved football team defensively offensively and special teams they are a much more complete program right now than they were even in his first year in lawrence we saw a turnaround last year but this team has taken another step and is that step dampened now by the quarterback situation we have so much to cover and we better get going because it's going to be a long one strap it up it's k-state and ku saturday night in lawrence and let's get started with Chris Kleiman and some of the things he told me at Tuesday's press conference. And after that, it'll be Brian Hanley's turn to start breaking down this game for you. How different is this Kansas defense? Um, you know, from last year to this year, I, they they keep improving each year. Uh, being in the system, same stability on the on the defensive staff, uh, a lot of returners that just know the system better and better. Uh, I think they're really good at a number of different positions, but collectively, I, I think they're they're just a really sound defense. They don't give up the explosive plays. Uh, they tackle really well. Uh, we're going to have to come up with a really good game plan to, especially on the road with the, with the noise. And there's some uncertainty about what quarterback they use, but overall this offense, how difficult of a preparation is it with all their movement and different things? Yeah, uh, we'll find out on Saturday, I'm sure, uh, at the earliest of who, who's going to play quarterback. But they're really good and really creative on offense, um, no matter who's going to be behind center. They're, they're always going to be creative with – shifts and trades and motions and uh, misdirection uh, as well as having the ability to give it to the two running backs and just pound it at you. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things that I see over the last few years is how much they've they've improved and grown on the offensive line. I think they're really good up front. I know the, I think we played against all those guys last year. Um, they've done a really nice job developing those guys, recruiting, and same thing with us. When their offensive line plays well, uh, they're really difficult to stop. When our offensive line plays well, we're difficult to stop. So, um, uh, but uh, no, it's a big challenge for us on defense. Well, with all the uh, the things that they do offensively. You mentioned those running backs. That that's a pretty good one-two punch they have, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And uh, both guys uh, can run it. Both guys can catch the ball out of the backfield. Both guys can can get in the protection game. Um, you know, and and. 
we're going to see a handful of times where they're both on the field. You're going to see some wildcat. Um, once again, just more of the things that we have to try to prepare for. And it's probably, you know, I'm probably preaching to the choir on their end of it too because they've got a lot of offense. Uh, f- uh, or excuse me, their defense has a lot of offense to, for to try to defend, just like our defense has an awful lot of offense to defend. Both teams do so many things offensively, it makes the preparation really difficult. And now it's time to speak with Brian Hanley, our football analyst from his studio in Frisco, Texas, where uh, on the day I'm recording this, Brian, it's supposed to be 74 in Manhattan in late November. Oof, man. Suck it, Frisco. <laughs> yeah, hey, I don't even think it's that warm here today. Yeah, I, 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 the dogs are loving it, although they're locked away right now. Well, let, let's get to this. Um, the Sunflower Showdown. Lordy, lordy, do I hate that name. Um, you were part of this, and mm-hmm. you're from out of state, and you were no. only here uh, in Manhattan two years. How quickly did you learn that this is the real deal, that, that half the roster being from Kansas means something to those dudes? It did. It, I mean, it meant a lot. Now, the the thing that, that helped me understand it a little bit better is I went to Coffeeville. Yeah. So, you know, for a year and a half, I was in Coffeeville. So I kind of got the, the understanding. What I didn't understand being at Coffeeville, there was a lot of, well, I root for K-State football. And I root for Kansas basketball. I was like, hold on a second. Yeah. That, that, I mean, now, I, that doesn't even make sense to me. It doesn't compute, you know, for me. Uh, and when I got to K-State, then I kind of understood, okay, that those are people that they really didn't have a, a rooting interest. Uh, but deep-rooted people, it's either your K-State or your KU. Uh, and I understood the difference very, very quickly, especially the kids from Kansas that were on the football team. It meant a lot to them. I, I feel sorry for the front runners, the, the people that picked the, the hot team yeah. to cheer for, because <laughs> when your team wins something, folks, it doesn't mean as much. It, Correct. You don't have the investment of the suffering that goes with no. it. And when you talk about K-State and KU football, you talk about fans who have suffered. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, K-State suffering seems to be in the past. KU seems to be getting there. But this is like a 15-game winning streak for Kansas State. This yeah. is incredible what K-State's done in this series. It's absolutely amazing. We're at 14. This would be 15 if Kansas State wins this game. Why has Kansas State been this dominant? Well, um, you know, I can take it all the way back. I mean, if you want, when I first got to K-State, it, it, we just had better football players. First right. of all, the coaching was, was better. I mean, let, let's just be honest. KU's coaching was subpar and has been subpar for a really, really long yes. time. There were a couple of years the Mangino years, as much as I know K-State people may not like Mangino, Mangino's a good football coach. You know, Absolutely. he's a great X and O guy and knows what he's doing. Um, and he knew what he was doing at K-State as well. So, and then what they have going on now, they have outstanding coaching going on, and that's part of it. But K-State just had better players. I mean, they just had better players and were better. The flip side of that, think about when KU went on that little run how many guys did KU have that went on to play pro football? Yep. They had better players than K-State. That was the difference. And, you know, and when it kind of evens out a little bit, coaching takes over, K-State's been better. K-State's had better coaching. So that's that's where the difference lies with me. And now I think, while I still believe K-State's roster, their overall roster is better than KU's, 
Uh, I think the coaching is still – it's close, but I feel, still think K-State's coaching is better. That's why we are better, and that's why we've been able to win so many games in a row. Okay, that brings me to this matchup. Is Kansas closing the talent gap because they're sure are heck closing the coaching gap because Lance Leipold's a real deal? I think most of us realize that um, as people that uh, have you know been football fans and seen the good and the bad we understand what good coaching looks like, and that's yes. good coaching. Uh, yes. They're closing the gap, aren't they? Absolutely. Look, yeah. Lance Leipold, his name keeps popping up for jobs. Of course. Um, and it doesn't – now, this is different than the old Matt Campbell. His name popped up for jobs, you know, Iowa State coach, although they've turned it around here lately. But it, it, this is a little bit different. He took over a program that was destitute. I mean, it, it, I mean, it was just horrible. Nobody cared at KU, and he no. is – figured this thing out um even with the stadium and this promise of a new stadium that who knows if that thing's ever going to get built i'm i'm starting to have my doubts uh but he's figured this thing out so the coaching aspect is there the talent pool between the difference or the talent gap has absolutely been diminished um again i mentioned it before i think k-state definitely or i should say definitely still has more talent overall but K State's or KU's got a good roster. They have a good yeah. football roster. Um, they are a better football team than what they were last year. Definitely a better football team than what they were two years ago. They've gotten this thing. It, it's turned around. It's yeah. turned around. People say, "Oh, well, it's building it." No, no, no. It, you're seven and three. You're turned around. Yeah, yeah. In this conference, and it doesn't matter. You know, maybe there's some down teams in this conference that give you wins, but. Still, we saw last week with Oklahoma State. In this That's conference, right. to, to be where you're at um, says an awful lot about you. Yes. Now, the third ingredient that you left out, my friend, is culture. Um, mm. And they've never had a winning culture. Man, Gino brought that in because he he replicated so much of the Snyder system yep. uh, and took it and applied it, including scheduling. Uh, he scheduled down for a while to get the momentum going. Mm -hmm. It works. Um, and Lance Leipold's come in, and he has built his own culture. Uh, he did it in part by bringing guys with him from Buffalo who understood the culture of Buffalo, uh, and that helped him in the early years, I think. But, boy, they believe they can win. And yes. that, I mean, that sounds good. That that sounds like a Tuesday press conference. Yeah, we're going to win. We're good. But do they really believe it? And when you believe it in your soul that you're going to win the game, you're, you've turned the corner. And I think they've got that. I think when they step on the field, they – they know they're going to win, even like last week when they didn't. They couldn't figure out how they lost, and that's a right. good sign. Absolutely. Absolutely. The culture is a huge thing. <clears throat> it's one of those words that, you know, fits over the last three to five years has been thrown out there a lot and gets yeah. overused a Absolutely. lot of times, you know, culture, the culture. But it's important. It means something. Uh, but it's always been around. Nobody just ever called it culture before. That's the difference. You know, they called it locker room guys or or this or that. And now that we've attached this word culture to it, it's always been part of any team, not just sports, just any team environment. Um, and Kansas has it going, a belief system in what they are doing. And and it's, it's I don't want to say it's good to see because you know how I feel about KU. Uh, but, it, 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 I mean, 
to see them to be able to build something there. I'm not going to knock what KU's been able to do. They've been able to build something there. They've got kids believing um, that they're playing good football and they've turned it around. If they could just continue to do that and get others. And I don't believe it's students. I think it's administrators. If you could get all the administrators actually on board with what they were doing and put some other stuff in place to make it better, it would be better. Yeah, I agree. Let's start with uh, the position group closest to your heart. I think a lot of KU success this year is this offensive line has taken a step. Yeah, um, They're capable. Uh, we'll get to the quarterback issue in a second, but no matter who's back there at quarterback, with the running backs they have, um, they're capable of carving a path to victory with a quarterback that mostly is going to hand off and occasionally run the the option read and throw the ball, but they're going to run the ball. And if they're at the third string quarterback, even if he's as good as he showed last week, which was, was is good enough to win steady, mm-hmm. not making mistakes, which is huge. Um, but that line's leading the way, man. They are, they are enabling this team to establish a run game and build off of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the thing about KU. They've been able to run the football uh, that is their bread and butter. That's what they're going to do. Uh, and just like you mentioned, if you have to play your third string quarterback, well, let's not put them in, in harm's way. Let's let's run the football, take some some pressure off of them. Uh, and the offensive line has taken a step forward. That's usually something that doesn't happen right away when you're trying to build a program. Usually offensive line is something that comes around later. But transfer portal changes everything, man. It changes everything. And when you're able to get some guys in, and I'm not even saying that they've done that, so I don't want to be that guy that, oh, they did it all with transfer portal because I don't follow KU like that to understand what they've done. But the bottom line is whatever they did, it worked. And they've been able to change it up front. Uh, Those guys are big, they're mean, uh, and they're physical. They're physical. And that's what you have to have, especially in this league, because you got to be able to run the football, and those guys can do it. Yes, they can. Uh, they really can. I love Devin Neal, uh, another Kansas product, and I love that um, this game will feature so many Kansas players because it's important that it, this state um, yeah. doesn't have that great high school football reputation, but per capita, I think this state produces some pretty good talent, um, and I think that's growing. I think the high school football culture uh is growing quite a bit in the state of kansas yeah um but to have those kansas kids i mean yeah dj giddens on one side from junction city and devin neal on the other side from lawrence and his running backs that's pretty damn cool if you ask me um and we'll we'll see uh k-state of course carries a lot more kansas kids and and i think that's an important ingredient that is hard to understand sometimes but um when half your locker room doesn't want to hear about winning and losing this game or losing this game, uh, it becomes very important very quickly. Yeah. One of, one of the things, Brian, that uh, KU has done this year is they don't just take the ball away from opposing offenses. They score. I mean, they, yes. they take it. They've had more pick sixes. It's been unbelievable how efficient this defense has been in, in uh, changing the momentum of games and they've done some with special teams. But those are huge factors. Protecting the ball always is huge in a football game, as you know, but – against Kansas, that seems to be the secret ingredient to this winning DNA they've evolved. Yeah, I mean, they've got some playmakers over there, and that's yep. what it's called. Um, you know, those guys are are looking to take the ball away. You know, they're they're looking to make plays. They're, they're looking to do these things. 
where it, it, other defenses or even in KU's defenses in the past, it's let's hope that they make a mistake. Let's hope right. that they they give us the ball. Where now they are being ultra aggressive and trying to force you into doing something that you don't want to do. Uh, and again, that's another sign of not only a great defense, uh, great coaching, you know, and all of that aspect. So they, taking care of the football is going to be important, obviously, for both sides. But just like you mentioned, KU seems like they've they've turned this art into scoring with the football if you make a mistake, which only helps in a big rivalry game like this. One aspect that I want to ask you about is really isn't that big big of an impact on the game, but uh, KU seems to be playing up the Sean Snyder thing, you know, saying they're going to have him talk to the team, that he might talk to the media. I don't know if he ever did. Um, and he was such an important part of K-State football, um, and he's now their special teams coordinator or analyst, whatever his title is. Um, how much of how much does he bring to the KU football program with his special teams expertise? I mean, now look, I, I'm never going to be the guy that that's going to talk bad about anybody like that. Right. But I am going to tell the truth. Right. I, I know what Sean Snyder did when I was at K State and the time that he was at K State as far as special teams. He wasn't the the return game specialist or the kick coverage specialist. That's not what he did. He was in charge of the kickers, right. and he did a phenomenal job. Let, let's not kid ourselves. Absolutely. He did a phenomenal job with kickers and punters. Number one, yep. he was an All-American punter himself. So it, let's it, that's what he did. But he wasn't putting together these return games and, and all of these punt blocks and kickoff returns. That's not what he did. And so I think a lot of people get, get that confused that he was in charge of the special teams and no, that's not what he did. Now, does he do that now? I don't know. Maybe he does do all that stuff at, at KU. I just know at K state, that's not what he did. Right. So to, to, to play up that aspect of it is one thing. Another thing I, I think people might be making too much about, well, he's going to have them talk to the team. Well, what's he going to say? Right. I mean, is Sean Snyder going to say he hates K state? He was there for more than half his life. I don't believe he's going to say that. You know, I don't think he's that guy to say, I can't stand K-State. You know, however you think it ended, whatever the case may be, I just don't believe that's the case. Uh, if it is, it is, but I, I just, I don't know. I think that some people might be looking to make something out of something, um, but if he's going to talk to the team, I'm just curious. I'm like, what's he going to say? Hey, I'm yeah. from Kansas. It's important to win if you're from Kansas, which I don't even think Sean Snyder is from Kansas. He's not. So, um, that's the thing. It's like, I, I don't get it. Maybe he can play up the rivalry. Yeah. I understand that part of it. He can do that. But, you know, I, I just, I, I think people are trying to make a little something out of this, um, the more than what there actually is. I would agree. Uh, does it matter that much? Who's the KU quarterback? I would argue that Jalen Daniels matters. Uh, Jason Bean uh, matters a little bit less and, and Ballard uh, is kind of okay. Um, but I don't think it's do or die for them because they're still going to run their offense. They just might lack that dynamic zip Correct. that one of those other two guys might have. Yeah. One of the things that K-State's got to watch out for is I would be ready. I mean, first of all, KU runs trick plays all the time, uh, regardless of who they their quarterback it. is. And the next thing is, you best believe that one of the first two, three, or four plays right out of the shoot, they're going to run some kind of trick play 
to try to get a lead, to to get an advantage, whatever the case may be. I I just think that's going to happen. So we're going to have to be on our toes from the very beginning of the football game. But you're right. They're going to run their offense. And as we mentioned before, the offensive line is going to lead the way. They're going to run the football. So K-State's got to be ready for all of it. But, yeah, I think it matters a little bit less. But I think they're going to run their offense, man. I think that's the way that their offense is set up and built. I think it's built that, yeah, we can have a a walk-on quarterback come in here and still do the things. He might not be as talented as the other guys, but our offense isn't so complicated that he can't come in and do the things that we're trying to do. One of the things I just love about this uh, KU offense is is what you need to build with. Um, And uh, the offensive coordinator just creates opportunities for the offense that when you line up, personnel may not exist i saw it against texas tech he it's such a brilliant play call i don't know how long that neil run was but he kind of got him in alignment looked like a passing down and then just kind of shoveled it out to the running back who just it was amazing and it was yeah. all done pre-snap it was all all everything going on all the window dressing all the movement all the alignment the defense trying to figure out what are they doing here and boom it's done uh i, I think it's brilliant yeah, I, I just I like what KU does, man. And yeah. it's just what you said. Their offense is tailor-made for trying to build a program and do it the right way. Look, you it's basically all hands on deck. Right. We are trying to win a football game by any means necessary. And, and by getting more wins, that's gonna help build the program. However, we can get that win, we got the win. And that's all recruits and potential people that are coming in. That's all we need. We want to have wins. So whether you win it by a bunch of trick plays, running the ball 75 times a game, throwing it 75 times a game, moving guys around, moving, doing all these things, whatever the case may be. But also it attracts people when you get so many people involved, Fitz. That's the thing. They've gotten so many people involved and they do all of these different things. It's fun. The offense is fun. And whether we like it or not in college football, what kids like is things to be fun. So they have got it's just what I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Their offense is tailor made to building a program from what they came from. Tailor made. I would agree. Does K State make this number 15 in a row? I think they do. I think they do. Just for the simple fact, you know, it was pointed out to me or just a little while ago before we got on here, you know, uh, KU, are we going to get the KU that played against OU? Yeah. And I said, yeah, we probably will. Yep. I go, but you still remember that KU team still gave up 33 points to, to OU. And I believe that K-State's offense is better than OU's offense. I believe that it is. I go, so if it's better, it's still going to run the ball down KU's throat and be able to move the ball through the air, do whatever it is that they want. But I also believe K-State's defense is better than OU's. I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Even being down another linebacker, I understand all of that. I just think K-State's going to have enough on defense. They're not going to shut KU out. That's not going to happen. But I think they'll be able to shut them down enough to slow them down enough for us to score more points and come out with a victory. He is Brian Hanley. You can subscribe to his own YouTube channel at Big B Sports Talk. Make sure you check out his lives and all the stuff he does. And we might have some stuff more stuff cooking here we'll we'll get after that brian i appreciate it so much all right thank you 
That's it for this segment of the Powercat pregame podcast. Ryan Wallace awaits on the other side, and we'll also hear from the guy that earned QB1 definitively this season, the all-time touchdown passing leader in K-State football history, Will Howard. We'll be right back. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pregame Podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am Fitz, publisher of GoPowerCat.com. And awaiting on the other side of an interview with Will Howard is our Ryan Wallace to really dig in and start examining these Kansas Jayhawks and what makes them so effective. It's very, very intriguing matchup. And Wally will present some of the concerns K-State fans should have with this KU talent, as Lance Leipold uh, really gets things clicking for this program. A reminder that we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, the proud sponsor, the title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. Well, last week in the home win over Baylor, Kansas State's offense clicked on all cylinders. So did other aspects of the game, but the most notable thing to come out of that contest, aside from the needed win, was Will Howard became Kansas State's all-time leader in career touchdown passes, surpassing Josh Freeman. He now is just three short of becoming the single-season leader, tying it at least with L. Roberson, uh, but he's still got two games to go, and he's been on a pretty good tear as of late. Since that really bad performance at Oklahoma State by the entire team, but Will Howard in this case, he has thrown 12 touchdowns with one interception, and that interception being kind of a fluky one against Texas and a ball that was batted around by his receiver, Keegan Johnson, and somehow landed in the hands of a Texas player who wasn't even covering Keegan at the time of the pass. So that's just how it goes at quarterback, but it kind of is the epitome, the example of exactly what he's been through at Kansas State. It's been a wild ride, uh, and Avery Johnson threatened to take that job from him earlier this year, but Will Howard said, no, I'm still in charge, and he is indeed. He will get the start in Lawrence, and he is a handful right now. Let's get to Will Howard, followed by Ryan Wallace. Your first memory of this rivalry, whether that was obviously playing in it, but did someone tell you about how much this game means when you were a freshman? I just remember how how much this means to Sped uh, Taylor Bratt, man. This this game, uh, my, my freshman year, I just remember how fired up he was about this game, and and uh, uh, you know it's a huge game. You know every every year we have some kids from Kansas come up and talk to us during the team meeting and um, talk about how much this means to to them, their families. Um, you know. Everyone that that is from the state of Kansas that grew up either a K State or a KU fan, um, and you know, not being from Pennsylvania, I I didn't really, or not being from Kansas, being from Pennsylvania, you know, I didn't really understand that. But you know, now that I've I've been here, you know, I'm pretty pretty engulfed in it now, and um, 
yeah, it's it's cool. It's it's cool to be a part of and and to be able to represent Kansas State for all the all the fans that have you know been through over the uh, over the years and and uh, you know I, I know how much this means to them and 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 uh, it means a lot to me now too. With how opportunistic the KU defense has been, does ball security become a greater emphasis this week? Yeah, I mean I think ball security is always a, a big emphasis and you know especially this week I think their their defense has made a lot of really good plays. Um, I think they they've got some talented guys and they've. They've they've came through when they've needed to, and uh, you know so it'll be important to make sure we stay on uh, on on schedule and and not you know try and force things and and just let the game come to us. How much Cooper Baby mean to you? Uh, a ton. I mean that whole off- offensive line um, is is playing really good football right now, and um, we go as they go. I'm telling you that that's that's the that's the God's honest truth. Is is you know the way that the way that those guys are are playing is is. Um, you know, we're always going to have a chance to be in football games. And, uh, you know, Coop is, is a heck of a player. And, uh, you know, being able to run a QB sneak and, and go behind him and, and, and KT over that left side is, you know, but I can also go to the right with, with those guys. So, um, you know, it's and, and we're up the middle. You know, it depends if we have a head up guy, you know, you know, right, Gil. But, uh, yeah, no, they're, they're playing really good football right now. And it, it fires me up. And now we have Ryan Wallace, our recruiting analyst, our recruiting guru, let's be honest, Ooh. at Go Powercat, guru. And also, he does a great job of scouting opponents for the breakdowns and pitches in on team coverage whenever he can. Wally, KU is good, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this, I, I mean, Lance Leipold has done wonders, Fitz, in what, two and a half years? Amazing. Oh, two and a half? Yeah. He's a real deal. Yeah, I mean, look, let's be honest. This this coinciding with the transfer portal was such a blessing because it changes the game and rebuilds. And and he's done a masterful job at doing that. You know, finding good players on the recruiting trail, but also um supplementing with, you know, quality players to that transfer portal. And it's it really has worked out. But at the end of the day, um it's it's real, it's tangible. I remember when Bill Snyder was building it, and even after he started, you know, beating the top teams and you know, competing for the top of the conference, the phrase smoke and mirrors was always used. That right. it wasn't real tangible. It was just, you know, gimmickry and, you know, that kind of stuff. But this is tangible. Uh, what they did last year now backed up with this year. And let's get to the quarterbacks because I think the most impressive thing about this year is the best case scenario went awry. Uh, Jalen Daniels isn't playing. That back has apparently turned into a major issue for his personal health, which we hope he gets better and hope he can play because he's a hell of a football player uh, in the future. Uh, But they had to go to plan B, which stood for Bean. And now plan B might be sidelined. But um, when you're not doing it because of one player, when you're not succeeding because of trickery and it's tangible, you overcome these things. And that's exactly what they've done. They just keep winning. Yeah, um, I mean, when you talk about the quarterback play, um, you know, if, if you're thinking of uh, how to prepare for Kansas and, you know, is K-State preparing for Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean or Cole Ballard, the other B here, um, the, the walk-on that, that came in for Bean in, in duty against Texas Tech last week. I think to me, if, if I'm Chris Kleiman, I don't know if you spend too much time on Jalen Daniels preparing for him not just because he hasn't played since what week three or week four of this season, but I went back, he's logged 182 career snaps against K-State already fits. He was playing big minutes 
in the 2020 COVID year against K-State in Manhattan. They know kind of what he does. They remember what he did against them last year. I mean, there's enough research that's gone into Jalen Daniels in the last two or three years that I think to me, Chris Kleiman is focusing on Jason Bean. And, you know, what happens when Bean is at under center? He's only played 30 career snaps against K-State. And, you know, the question that's been asked to me this week a little bit is, well, how is, for people that haven't seen KU, it's been, well, how are they different with Bean versus Daniels? And to me, um, first off, Andy Koldenick, he's done a great job. Um, yeah. And KU fans will get mad at me for this. And I, it's not a slight at, at Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean as individuals, but the system that that is in place there is really freaking good for any quarterback. And I'll make some K-State fans upset when I say this. I, I'm of the belief that if Andy Kotelnicki was anywhere else outside of Lawrence, Kansas, we, there would be a lot more buzz around this guy as right. a agree. play caller, as a future head coach. I think he's the real deal as well. Um, but getting back to Bean versus Daniels, when I look at them, Jason Bean obviously is one of the fastest guys on the Kansas roster. Absolutely. I mean, it's been tested that way. But he's not as dynamic as a runner as, as Jalen Daniels is in, in a weird way. Uh, he doesn't like the contact. He doesn't duck his shoulder down and take on an, an incoming defenders. And the other thing about Jalen Daniels to me versus Jason Bean is when Jason Bean is on play action and there's a rollout or there's a, you know, it's a, some sort of play action boot and he's outside the pocket, he's running horizontally and either he's going to get two or three yards going for the sideline or he's looking downfield maybe 10 or 15 yards for an underneath crossing route that, you know, again, kind of move the chains. Jalen Daniels forces your secondary to be honest when he's outside the pocket. You can't just say, you know what, forget this guy. You're good. I'm going up for the ball. I'm going to take the quarterback like you can with Jason Bean because he'll make you guy miss. He'll reset his feet and drop one 40 yards downfield on you. Um, and I think he's much better. He's got a moxie and a calmness about him under pressure. And I looked up on, on Pro Football Focus, when they're blitzed, it's very obvious. Jalen Daniels was a 74.9 grade with his pass, 66.1 with the run. When Jason Bean is blitzed, he's a 50 grade with the pass, 53 with the run. Um, so I, I think that's the difference between the two. And so if your K-State fits going yeah. into this game, I think it's once again, dial up some pressure, try and make Jason Bean uncomfortable. Well, there's been a lot of comparisons to what Lance Leipold has done to Bill Snyder. Um, and, and that's a stretch because uh, – Look, this generation can't understand how bad K-State football was. Okay, <laughs> you had it easy compared to that. The transfer portal has made that easier to rebuild. But here's a great similarity. He's playing a quarterback game right now. A quarterback game so out of the Bill Snyder playbook. Uh, you know, he said that Bean's taking a few snaps, which I find really hard to believe if he really was concussed. He's taking sure. snaps early in the week. Um, I, I think Ballard will go. Uh, but he wants K-State to prepare for being. But Chris Kleiman went to Tuesday's press conference and emphatically said, doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It's the offense that's the exactly. issue. Exactly. And and it is. This offense is so well designed uh, and so well um, performed by the players that it's really difficult to defend because there's so many moving parts, so much going on, so much distraction that takes you away from where the ball's really going. It is absolutely brilliant at times. Motion, motion, motion. Um, the safeties are going to have to be on their game, and we'll get uh, to the other side of the KU's uh, safeties in a minute, I'm sure. But I, I honestly think that 
when you start to really, you know, whittle this all down, um, I think that there's, you could make a case that safety might be the biggest position on both sides between winning and losing this game. When you talk about K-State safeties, you look at last year, and we've talked about it at nauseum throughout this year, and we've seen K-State safeties grow this year with Siegel and Savage and Payne, but it's different against this offense, and that's where the Hayes, the Cheatham uh, last year came in handy. Uh, even a guy like Daniel Green, this is where Austin Moore will come in handy um, this season, is you've got to have guys communicating in that pre-snap reads because if it is Cole Ballard, Andy Kotelnicki is going to try and make things favorable for him. I don't want to say dumb it down, but at the same time, he's going to make things where it's easy, quick passes, nothing that's going to stress Cole Ballard an awful lot. And, you know, obviously rely on Devin Neal and, and High, Daniel Hyshaw and the tail the tailbacks uh, to get the ground game going and then open up the offense. And that's pretty much the best way to put it. I mean, that that is what this offense is. They're kind of like a more dynamic version of of what you would expect from, um, say, a, uh, you know, an old school Bill Snyder system, but also maybe one of the military academies. Mm-hmm. They're not like triple option kind of, but in the same time, they want to set up the pass with that ground and pound approach. And you look at their offensive stats, they're actually top 15 nationally in yards per rush at over five, 5.17. And they're 12th in uh, nationally in passing yards per completion. So it's, again, everything is predicated on that run. And so if it is Cole Ballard fits, look for Devin Neal in wildcat formations. Look for dual tailbacks. You know, they'll have High Sean and Neal both in there. Maybe rotate one out, flex one out. Um, they're going to do everything. Yeah. Uh, they, I've even seen formations fits where they'll have offensive linemen off the line of scrimmage as wide receivers. And then they'll bring them in motion and basically just have some 280, 290-pound guy flying around the edge to seal a block on the opposite side. They'll do some wild stuff, but it's all to simplify and make your defense overthink and get you in the wrong place. It's it's a lot of mismatching. Uh, and, and so Joe Klanderman's going to have to preach communication to his squad more this week than maybe ever. Okay, let's go to this step then. Communication is so important. And Kansas State has lost another linebacker in Jake Clifton for the season. Yeah. Now it's Austin Romaine set in stone as the middle linebacker, a true freshman. Your quarterback on defense is a true freshman. But he is surrounded by two veteran linebackers, particularly Austin Moore, who has a great understanding of the game. And and Des Purnell has gotten worlds better and also better as a leader. Is that a serious worry for Kansas State, getting lined up right? Uh, definitely getting lined up right, you know, hitting the right gaps. Um, because again, you know, KU will make you pay. Uh, these two running backs are really good. Um, and they're not, they're not the types too, that are going to go down on first contact. So if you are a linebacker like Austin Romaine, Austin Moore, um, you know, if, if we see guys even go deeper into the Rex Van Wy, uh, Tobios and Somni world, along with Desmond Purnell, you've got to wrap up, you know, you've got to, um, complete your tackle if you want to say that. But, um, I think where it hurts with Clifton is honestly uh, the pressure. You know, Austin Romaine is built to stop the run so long as he's in the right place um, and and makes that right read. He can make tackles. I mean, he came to Kansas State at, what, 230, 235 pounds. This is what he does, uh, the Hillsboro kid from uh, outside St. Louis. But, again, where I think it hurts missing Clifton is that added pass rush element. 
Um, believe it or not, KU's offensive line, particularly, you know, Pooney, the, the offensive tackle, have been pretty strong, yeah, pretty sound. Novitsky at center has played a, just a wealth of games. Um, and I almost think sometimes they're more susceptible to a rush up the gut than they are off the edge. Um, maybe Cable is more susceptible than Pooney, but that's neither here nor there. If Purnell is asked to do more of that kind of uh, maybe read and react more than just go get the football like we've seen him do so well at times this season. Uh, that's where a guy like Clifton could maybe do a little bit of both arguably better than even Purnell as much as Purnell has grown. So maybe that's where you see a Tobios Insomni get a little bit more run in this game. We saw him last week. He's fits. He's such a lethal pass rusher, even though he's a linebacker. I mean, that's what he does is pressure the pocket. This could be a big game for him. And again, all three of those guys, more, Purnell, Osinsomni, Kansas-bred kids. Yeah. So they're guys that are going to want to play and make a statement in this game. Uh, yeah, we'll get to the Kansas thing in a bit, but I want you to go over to these uh, position playmakers. Mm-hmm. The, the skilled players for KU, are they're skilled. I mean, yeah. particularly running back, but they've got guys uh, at receiver and tight end. Uh, they put together some good assets for any quarterback to use. Yeah, Fairchild is kind of a, a their Ben Senate. Um, not as dynamic as Senate is. I don't think he stretches the field, but he's very reliable. Uh, and Jared Casey is again kind of that that H back guy that you've got to. He's, he's he's just athletic enough, right? Where he keeps your defense honest. We've seen time and time again where he'll make a big play when you least expect it. So they will go to him. Uh, and those two guys, uh, Fairchild in particular, I remember in the last in last year's game. Uh, had a knack for finding that soft spot in K-State's zone. It's the, the, that level that's kind of right behind the linebackers, right in front of the safeties. They'll clear that out, and uh, he can make you pay there. He, they did against Oklahoma State quite a bit uh, at that kind of second level with Fairchild. And then uh, out at wide receiver, you've got three guys that complement themselves yeah. so well. You've got Lawrence Arnold, who's a guy that K-State offered and was out, out uh, after out of the Dallas area who seems like he's been there for like five years now, uh, long, can kind of do a little bit of everything, and he's taken his game to the next level this year. Luke Grimm is a guy that I covered in high school like outside in, in Kansas City, Missouri from Ray Peck, elite route runner. Yep. Um, I, I hate to make the comparison to Curry Sexton, but it's so obvious. They're so good at finding spots and, and, and weaknesses in a defense and just carving up. Uh, their opponents. And then Quentin Skinner is a guy that has just jumped off the page to me. He is their most lethal deep field, deep threat. Uh, I think he's a former walk-on kid from Oklahoma that just has wheels and he's about six, two. So that's a guy that K-State's going to have to keep in mind um, uh, on the outside, because again, I think he's the guy that they want to stretch the field with. They have Trevor Wilson. Tanaka Scott is another guy that they've gotten incorporated more and more throughout this year. They're long fits. I mean, Luke Grimm is really the the exception. Uh, the other guys are over six two, so it, it's going to be a difficult task for K State corners. But at the same time, it's not a you know these aren't Xavier worthy guys, right? Um, they're not even they don't even have the speed of some of the other guys that I think K State has fifth, faced this season. You know, Houston's playmakers come to mind, but they again do their assignment. They know where the sticks are. Uh, and they're reliable. They, they've proven to be reliable pass catchers. This is a, 
a legitimate threat for Kansas State secondary this week. Yep, I agree. They they're capable of moving the ball against a good defense, even with a third string quarterback, and that's yeah. a compliment to coaching uh, and scheming. It's been absolutely brilliant on that side of the ball. The biggest improvement Kansas has made those on that defensive side, uh, where they create turnovers that don't lead to points they get the points themselves yeah that has been such a huge thing for this KU defense uh, it seems like every game I'm seeing a pick six highlight it's unbelievable uh, but uh, this defense is so much better what has made them better in your evaluation well I think the secondary is special I really do think yeah. so I, I think uh, Kobe Bryant I don't know if this is going out on a limb or not. And again, uh, there might be years in between where I'm forgetting a player or two. But to me, he's the best true cover corner they've had since Aqib Tlaib. He's, yep. He can really – and the thing that's crazy about Kobe Bryant when I watch him, fits is there are – I don't want to say more often than not, but there's a lot of times in each game that you watch him and he's beaten off the line of scrimmage and his length and his ability to get, make up ground and find the ball – uh, he'll still disrupt the pass and, yeah. and force the incompletion. He's really good. Melo Dotson on the other side is a guy that has obviously been targeted a lot because nobody wants to throw at Kobe Bryant. And, you know, he'll he'll get beat. He's certainly the most more susceptible of the two. But he's also a guy, like you said, Fitz, that has gotten pick happy this year. Yep. Lots of interceptions for Melo Dotson, too. Um, and then I, I love the safeties. You know, O.J. Burroughs is a, guy, a young guy that's really come along. Grant for the Purdue transfer has really come along. Kenny Logan's been there again, like Lawrence Arnold, like six years. Uh, I love the secondary. The defensive line fits, I think, is where they've made yeah, maybe the most improvement exactly. this year. Um, the secondary has just developed at the rate that we kind of expected them to. Yep, the I defensive agree. line's really come along. Devin Booker's a, a true pass rush set that they haven't had in some time and looks the part. Really long reach, uh, muscular guy, transfer from Minnesota. Uh, he's hard for offensive tackles to get up in on. Uh, he'll over pursue at times, but he's in the, the backfield quite a bit. And it sounds like they might be getting Devin Phillips back on the interior too. And he's a guy that's very seasoned. They got him out of the portal from Colorado state played a ton for the Rams. They've coupled him with a young and up and comer named DJ Withers. That defensive line is sound, but Fitz, here's where KU missed the boat and continues to miss the boat. And maybe coming in, uh, I'd have to go back and you know look at what they've done with the recruiting uh, class this year uh, and see maybe what they do with the portal. They, they have to get better at linebacker. It is atrocious. That is the glaring weakness, and that's going back again. That's where I said safety is so important. A lot of the big plays that it seems like KU has surrendered, it's been because their safeties have been asked to do work that the linebackers don't. They're coming up linebackers are making bad reads or they're missing tackles and here come the safeties having to make up for it and then uh, you know if it's not that then safeties are having to pinch up knowing that that might happen with linebackers and they're getting beat over the top and so to me that's where safeties is is such a huge key to this game uh KU's linebackers have just been rough Rich Miller's a guy that they brought with them from Buffalo Fitz and I'm not going to mince words here he I wonder sometimes if they wish that he would have just stayed in the Mac. He's a Mac linebacker. I, I hate to say it, but he's, he's the, the mind of the matter for them. And I think that's why he continues to get snaps. He's reliable. He's where he needs to be, but he doesn't make the play. And then you got Taiwan Berryhill on the other side who is more athletic, but it, again, is also very susceptible to missing a play or two. So 
if they can't get better at linebacker, that seems to be the spot for two years now that continues to hold this defense back. But everywhere else, uh, they've got a guy. And one that I missed, Fitz, is Craig Young, an Ohio State transfer that has lived up to the billing. He plays kind of their nickel, and that's a matchup to watch because I would imagine they're going to pair him with Ben Sennett an awful lot. And those two jousting for position is going to be a hell of a battle to, to watch. It should be really entertaining. Man, I love interviewing you. Wind you up and let you go. Um, and uh, they're dreadful in the red zone, though. That That is their oh. biggest weakness on defense. Awful. But that points to linebacker play, doesn't it? Yeah. it? It points to a disconnected front from the back that isn't tied together properly. Dead last in the FBS. Yeah. It's 130th in red zone defense. They get down there, and I think you've seen the defensive line has dealt with some injuries a little bit this year from the sounds of it. And when you lose certain pieces there, I think they get a little bit leaner on the defensive line. So they get pushed around a little bit in the red zone. And those linebackers, I mean, the yards per rush that KU has allowed this year uh, are, I think UCF and Baylor are the only two teams that K-State has played that have been worse. And you think back to what K-State did against both those defenses in the rush. Yeah, again, the betting segment is reserved for Ryan Gilbert. It always is. But my one suggestion to you betters out there, uh, I don't know if you want to go with the over on DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward in rushing categories or if you just want to say that they'll guarantee the touchdown, book that one, Fitz. Book that one because, yeah, when they get in the red zone, they're going to hand it to the two running backs, and I would bet on K-State to win just about every time. Uh, well, I booked uh, o- Oklahoma State winning at UCF um, because, you know, yeah because you know yeah (laughs) yeah work out okay let's get to the big one the one that's right in your wheelhouse how important is this for kansas kids not only on the roster but being you know recruited or even asked to be walk-ons of these programs kansas state has made a living off of having a roster that is at least 50 percent kansas kids uh, and as you mentioned, there were so many Kansas kids making big plays last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this is just a really important aspect, not only for the motivation of the kids that are in the locker room now, but the motivation of kids that might want to join one of these locker rooms. This is huge. Well, yeah, and that's why I think for so many years it's kind of fallen on deaf ears, this whole idea that KU is going to be motivated for K-State. Um, and, you know, and th- this year it was tweeted out that they're going to have Sean Snyder talk, which is super uncomfortable and awkward on a lot of levels. Um, but even if even if you have the best motivational speaker, you look down and like I said, 27 Kansans for KU versus 51 for K-State. And beyond that, the guys that you're truly motivating, the guys that are going to play on the two deep, four Kansas players on the depth chart for KU this week, all four on offense, by the way, zero Kansans on the two deep for KU's defense 19 for K-State. They This means something to them. And for as much as KU is doing on the recruiting trail outside of Kansas, and if you don't know what they're doing in 2024, I suggest you go look. It's one of their best classes in many, many years. I mean, for years since I've been covering recruiting, they have been last or dead last, and they're sixth right now in the Big 12 rankings, and that's with the newcomers for next year. A really good job on the recruiting trail from Lance Leipold's staff. But the one area that they continue to get beat at is at home. Uh, And this upcoming 2025 class fits is as good as we've seen since two years ago, (laughs) since the Avery Johnson class. But it's it's really freaking good. 
And there are going to be a number of guys that are going to be tuned in to this game, several of which Jaden Woods, I'm told, uh, a guy that I believe is the number one player in the state, will be in Lawrence for this game. Uh, KU is going all in on 2025. And this would be a statement win for basically proving that, you know, okay, we're back, but now we're back on a level of beating K-State, where now you can look at us as maybe a power player. So when it comes to Lincoln Cure, who's down to K-State, KO, he's not down, but he's favoring those two schools heavily. Um, When you look at, you know, Charlie Wolobin, Juju Marks, um, Andrew Babalola, uh, Bryson Hayes. I mean, the list goes on. These two staffs are going like this in 2025. KU's made it a point that they wanted to get in earlier. They're doing that with 2025. K-State is right there where they always are. This is a huge, huge game. It always is each year, Fitz. But again, like I said, because 2025 is so massive and such a special crop of talent in this state, this game is huge yep. to make an impression on those juniors. Now you know why he covers recruiting for us after that. Um, his, he's Ryan Wallace. Make sure you check out, whenever they drop one, an episode of the Sunflower State Recruiting Show. We're, we're trying to do one this week. We're trying Good. We're trying to do one this week. No guarantees. With, with my sidekick, Michael Swain, who runs Fog.net. Good friend. And, of course, the uh, legendary Kevin Flaherty um, from 24-7 in Fog. Um, They do a great job covering Kansas recruiting. If you love that stuff, look for those to drop on either one of our sites. Wally, thank you very much. But does K-State get this done? Number 15 on the way? I think they do. I mean, I'd be dumb to say that, that, you know, to go against history, right? So I think it'll be close. I mean, this was going to be as good of a battle as I can remember, unless Colt Ballard maybe is in. I mean, that that does change the the line a little bit for me, Um, but it should be competitive, but I'm still taking K-State. I I think that they uh, have enough uh, to, to get it done in this one. Well, if Cole Ballard leads him to victory uh, in two years when this game resumes in Lawrence, it'll be at the Booth Ballard Memorial Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Because if he can do it, he will be a legend. Wally, thank you very much. Thanks, Fitz. That does it for this segment of the Powercat Pregame Podcast brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. Ryan Gilbert awaits with your betting lines, and we talk about all the games in the Big 12. Every team in the race for Arlington is on the road. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat Podcast continues after this short break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. We are down two segments and heading into the home stretch of this show. We have heard from Brian Hanley and Ryan Wallace and Chris Kleiman and Will Howard 
And this segment, we will start with a little bit of Cooper Beebe talking about what this game means to the Kansas players. And there's so many on the K-State roster. It's about half the roster are Kansas-born or Kansas-raised players. Meanwhile, KU has a growing number of Kansas players, but it still isn't as significant. What role does that really play? I'm not sure, but it seems to have played a role for K-State, which has won 14 straight in this contest. And that is a record set by this ongoing domination for Kansas State. KU still leads the series, but I'd like to point out that for someone to have been in college when KU led the series during their lifetime, you would probably be about 90 years old. That's right. K-State has dominated this series as of late and has flipped that script from you know early in the 1910s when KU dominated everything and racked up a big lead in this this sunflower showdown it's going to be a really intriguing game but let's get on with this as we talk to cooper bb about this football team and the meaning of this game and then we get to ryan gilbert with those betting lines but first your reminder we are sponsored by robbins motor company k-state fans visit the robbins chrysler dodge jeep ram fiat location on anderson avenue in manhattan for an exciting test drive robbins motor company is the longtime and proud sponsor of the powercat pregame podcast well let's get to beebs followed by gills as we near the end of this long pregame podcast but we're going to have you ready for the game on saturday are you keeping track of the big 12 standings right now and just how crazy it all is um no you know we're you know we always talk about just control what we can control you know we we got a big game this week and a big game after that so you know we're just going to do what we got to do to win and then let everything take care of itself words need to be said at all about to anybody else about how much this game means to some of the out-of-state guys or everybody just kind of gets it no everybody gets it i mean especially because we have so many kansas kids on the team you know it's it's you know people realize how, how big it is for the kansas kids and i think that's given you know dudes extra motivation this week for sure you remember your first kuk state experience um actually i do not you know and they kind of intertwine together but um you know i, I knew we won so <laughs> that's that you watched growing up oh absolutely um you know as somebody that obviously from state kansas you know that's that was a game every year that you had to make sure you watched um and it's always fun and especially this year you know it's going to be a super competitive game you know they got a really good team and you know i think it's good for the state of kansas you know probably the most competitive you know sunflower showdown probably 20 years or so and now, as we always do, we save the best for last. The one and only Ryan Gilbert. You see him here in his little corner of his apartment where he lights the walls purple and looks all cool. But as you listen to this, as you watch this, he's probably in the Bahamas, which is a much like his apartment in Manhattan, Kansas. Right? I'll be there soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, your adventures. You should do I'm like looking a, forward to my adventures as well. A little vlog from the Bahamas covering basketball. Ryan in paradise. There we go. There we go. Let's get going here with a full slate of games around the Big 12, my friend. And let's start with the first one of the day, which is usually the last one of the day. When BYU plays at home, it's typically the late game. This time they get the early game. Wake up, Cougars. You got to play Oklahoma. And, oh, yeah, Oklahoma's a 24-and-a-half-point favorite on your home field. Ouch. I don't. I feel like BYU will play closer, but, boy, BYU's been bad lately. Oklahoma's got 
the best offense, a top five offense in the country, and then certainly the best offense in the Big 12, just as far as the numbers go, over 500 yards a game, um, whereas BYU is given up over 400 yards a game. That's good. Mm-hmm. Or I guess that's bad for that enough for second worst in the Big 12. And so I think Oklahoma's offense is going to have no issues here. I think the over-under is less than 60 points. And uh, I think Oklahoma might get over that just by themselves in this game. So I think Oklahoma is going to have a field day. And we're not going to get into tiebreakers or anything like that here on this on this segment, Fits, But Oklahoma needs to, to win some games here. And so I think that they can survive another week with a, a comfortable win. So I love them to cover. Yep. Uh, Cincinnati at West Virginia. This is a, this should be a rivalry, but for whatever reason in the future Big 12 scheduling, we decided not to let them play the team closest to them every year. Boy, uh, Cincinnati, West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia is only a six and a half point favorite at home against a team that has really struggled. I find that very interesting. It is very interesting. Yeah. And what Cincinnati did last week, getting a win, um, I guess you do have to respect that team. They're not going bowling. None of that stuff's going to be happening this year for Cincinnati. But you gotta, you know, you gotta respect what they were able to do. Not giving up on the season, but less than a touchdown uh, for West Virginia is just crazy here in my mind. And yeah. I know that the Mountaineers probably aren't playing for a championship or anything like that. But you're playing for a decent bowl game. That's very much in the question still for West Virginia. And so anything less than a touchdown, I would I would have to hammer the Mountaineers when you also add in the fact that this team's playing at home. You may not be going to a bowl, Bearcats, but you can have a bowl of delicious Skyline chili anytime. Okay, onward. Oklahoma State, uh, the victims of a uh, Citronaut attack. They weren't the Knights last weekend. They played as their old logo with their old colors, the Citronauts. They need to go back to it. It is so unique and cool, and they're a better football team as Citronauts. They kicked the living crap out of Oklahoma State. Now Oklahoma State has to go to Houston, where they are a seven-point favorite on the road. Houston's kind of squishy and not great. But I, the way Oklahoma State played last week, Ollie Gordon getting hurt, banged up, man, I, I don't know what to do with this game. A week ago, if you looked at this line and saw that Oklahoma State was only favored by a touchdown, you would you would think that that was crazy. You'd hammer the Cowboys, but after what we saw um, last weekend, you know that I think this line makes total sense. I, I mentioned sort of the analytics and all those predictive models last week with that Oklahoma State game against UCF, and it made total sense for that line to be where it was. And so this line's not crazy at all, especially with what we saw on Saturday with with Oklahoma State. So I'd probably lean Houston. To, to keep this one close and cover. Obviously, Oklahoma State's got a long ways to go if it wants to rebound from that game against UCF. Could we see it happening? Sure, but if there's anything that that game against UCF proved to us last week, it was that, hey, you know, that, that line was no fluke. And so this line here against Houston, this is no fluke. I would lean the Cougars to cover and keep this one close over Oklahoma State. Speaking of UCF, the Knights are back, and they're going to uh, – Texas Tech, so it's the Knights against the Red Raiders. It's very combative this weekend in Lubbock. Uh, Texas Tech is a three-point favorite out there in West Texas. Does UCF continue the role? Do they continue to play really good football like they did last weekend? Or does Tech, fresh off that win at in Lawrence, uh, take it to them? I'll take UCF to continue to roll. Yeah. Uh, getting a few points as well. I, I know they're on the road. That's not great, but... Texas Tech, if K, if that KU team had a chance to beat them 
with the third string quarterback really at the end of the day. Um, that game should not have been close in my mind for Texas Tech. And so I don't have faith in the Red Raiders. You look at just the recency bias, maybe that's kicking in a little bit too much for me, but the way these two teams played last week, it's hard not to bet UCF. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. They looked really good. Uh, this game's intriguing to me because uh, you know one of my core betting philosophies. When a warm weather team like from, let's say, Austin, Texas, has to go north in November and play a night game, I don't know what the forecast is in Ames, but if it's below 50 on Saturday night, Texas will think it's in an ice box. Um, Texas at Iowa State, Ames at night is always an adventure. Kansas got out of there with a win. Texas is a seven and a half point favorite. I find this line interesting because that movement from six and a half to seven and a half is a significant barrier to to go through. Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, being more than a touchdown favorite tells me a lot. Dude, I, I'm not right now. I stayed out of this one, but I think Texas gets it done. I think Texas gets it done too. And Fitz, I'm kind of upset with you right now. You stole some of my talking points. Uh, I was going to mention, I don't care that this Texas team is playing on the road up north uh, at night in Ames, cold weather, all that stuff. I don't care. I think that the Longhorns have enough talent to, to get by Iowa State and win and cover. Uh, I'd be surprised if Iowa State keeps this one really within single digits. And we saw this Longhorn team down in Austin. I guess me and you weren't there, but Go Power Cat was on hand. Everyone was watching that game in Texas you know, had a chance to cover in that game with so many mistakes on offense, defense, and just gave K-State, despite the way that K-State played, gave K-State a chance to win that game. And so I, I hate, to, I'm sure I've said this a lot here on this podcast throughout the season, Fitz, but the talent here for Texas, I'm I'm ignoring all the outside noise that would favor the Cyclones. And I'm just going to go with the talent. And, and I think Texas is probably the, it's the better team with more athleticism to to cover against Iowa State. I, I am outside noise, so you're ignoring me. That's that's what I picked up in that exchange. I'll say this. Uh, as resilient as Texas is and knowing how to win, except for that one game against Oklahoma, they have just won their last two games by three points. So I thought that was uh, really fascinating to watch them uh, go to the wire with TCU. Here we go, big big guy. It's the Sunflower Showdown. What do you like better, Sunflower Showdown, Abolition Bowl, or Bleeding Kansas Bowl? I would encourage here the listeners, if you haven't listened to the questions podcast, I think we ranted about that for a little bit, didn't we? But yeah, a little bit. I'll take Sunflower Showdown. That's kind of the traditional name. You're, you're just a traditionalist. That's yep, exactly. Say. This line has been a little volatile. K-State at KU on Saturday. Uh, the Wildcats are up to number 21 in the CFP poll, uh, and KU still in it at 25. So this is a matchup of ranked teams, which is kind of cool. It's currently, as we record this on Wednesday afternoon, evening-ish, K-State minus eight. Again, crossing that barrier. I think it's been as high as nine and a half. That's what we picked on the website. But it's currently eight. But let's just say, does K-State win by double digits? No, I'll say you don't no. Think so. okay. And I, I get it with Kansas's quarterback situation, all that stuff. KU has not beaten K-State in a long, long time. K-State has to prove to me that this team can be consistent on the road, right? Only one road win all season long, and that was against, again, another you know quarterback with Texas Tech that I think they were on their backup going into that game, right? And then a third stringer had to finish out the game. Texas Tech had the lead in the third quarter before things kind of went south on them. But consistently all year long on the road, I just haven't seen enough from K-State to to 
give me enough confidence to pick them to cover here in Lawrence. And I get it. You know, there's way more Kansas kids on K-State's roster. There's a million reasons why you would favor K-State in this game. But I think Lance Leipold is going to have his squad locked in, ready to go. And you add in the fact that K-State struggled mightily on the road this season. I just, I can't go with the Cats to cover. I got to go with the Jayhawks. I'm sorry to say that. I'm sure I'm going to catch some heat. But if there's one thing that, that Gilbert has consistently done on this you know, show is is be wrong on Kansas State. So you're, you're welcome to all the K-State fans for, for picking KU. I'd like to point out that K-State's road game this year, their victory was at Texas Tech, which just won in Lawrence. I don't know what that means. I just I just wanted to put that out there to say you're wrong. No, I, I appreciate that. I, I think those are good points. The strength of KU's team is offensive play calling, no matter who the quarterback is, the way they construct their offense, and that defense has really gotten good. So this could be a really yeah. good game, or you know, K-State could get away again for the 15th straight. We'll see. That's Clement why they mentioned that game. here in his press conference, right? Now, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. It's going no. to be the same offense regardless of who's under center. And he's exactly right. They're trying to play a little – mystery here with who's going to play but i I don't think k-state cares they're going to line up and they're more worried about being lined up correctly after all the motion and movement um which is the point of that ku offense it's well constructed it'll be an interesting game i hope you have a safe trip to the bahamas i hope you get there safely uh when's ku or excuse me geez when's k-state play its first game in the bahamas against providence i'm sorry When's K-State play that first game uh, in the Bahamas against Uh, 7 o'clock. I can't remember if that's Central or Eastern. I think it's 7. Why am I sending you? Why? Why You don't don't even know where the games are at probably, do you? You're just going to the Bahamas. I thought I was covering football in the Bahamas. You guys are K-State plays in Lawrence for basketball, correct? Am I missing something here? Well, that's it for Ryan Gilbert on this segment. Uh, Thanks, buddy. I appreciate safe travels. Um, uh, Don't take any wooden nickels. I have no idea what that means. I'm trying to come up with some old man advice for you, and that's that's what I got. Go away. Well, we're getting very close to the end. We've done all of the interviews we can do. We've just got one more thing to take care of, and that is your one thing to watch between K-State and KU. What is the one thing I think you should zoom in on and kind of keep an eye on to see if that gives you an indication of the outcome of the game and for me it's pretty simple can kansas state's defense regardless of the quarterback for ku stifle a ku offense that has been very productive it's a very creative offense one that has a lot of pre-snap motion and and just a lot of things going on for defensive players to worry about to try to decipher what play is being run players will come at you from all angles to block you and it is a real challenge. It's a brilliant offense, to be real honest. Can K-State solve it enough so that the offense can outscore KU's offense? I believe that will happen. But as you heard, Ryan Gilbert thinks this will be a one-score game, maybe with KU winning. We'll find out who's right. But if you can't make it over to Lawrence for the Saturday night game, the game is at 6 p.m. at the booth, as they like to call it, Booth Memorial Stadium in Lawrence. It's on FS1, so basic cable. If you've got it, you should have FS1. And next week, K-State will conclude its regular season with a huge addition of Farmageddon. Can Iowa State beat Texas and really amp up the importance of next week's game? We're going to find out. But Iowa State comes to Manhattan to finish off the regular season. And at that point, I will see you at the bill. And if you're making it over to Lawrence, have fun at the booth. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. 
Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 